I'm sure we've all had uh, medicines that we've been prescribed by our doctors and uh, sometimes on that bottle it will say take as needed, right? Uh, my wife thinks that uh, that's how I take all medicine, as needed, because I think us men, sometimes we don't take our medicine as we need to and finish the bottle. You know, we get feeling better and so we stop taking it, right? I hope I'm not the only one who does that from time to time. Not good, but I think there's others that are guilty in here of that. But every once in a while it'll say on that bottle, take as needed or take when needed. And I, I'm afraid sometimes we relegate Christ to that. That we take Christ and we call upon Christ as needed. And boy, what a testimony in that song this morning. I need thee every hour. And if we don't realize that we need him every hour, boy, there's something wrong. We realize that we can't even, the old song, what did it used to say? I can't even walk without you holding my hand. John 15, 5, I can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. He is the vine. We are the branches. And aside from him, we have no life. We have no potential. But thanks be to God, in him, I can do what? All things. All things. Amen. Good to see you here this morning. That was a freebie sermonette uh, right there. We're going to go into the real one now, Matthew chapter 8. You're going to take your Bible out. Matthew chapter 8. When you find it, let's go ahead and stand. Look down about verse 14. Matthew chapter 8. Look down to verse 14. <clears throat> and as you stand, if those that can stand, we'll read down just two verses today as we continue our series on encountering Christ, our theme for 2024. The goal and the desire for those that don't know him to come to know him. And for those that do, to have a closer walk with him and a renewed walk with him. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look down to a very brief encounter, but oh, what a powerful one it is for us today. <clears throat> the Bible says, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Let me read it one more time. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid in sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you mean to us. And Lord, forgive us when we don't realize that we do need you every hour. We need you every minute. Lord, we need you right now. We need you when the days are good, when the days are bad. We need you. And Father, I pray this morning we'd see just how bad we need to hear you. And Lord, because of that, set aside any thoughts, burdens, plans, ideas. Lord, uh, set them aside for a little while that we might hear from you. Because Lord, that's what we need this morning is to hear from you, all of us. Lord, I pray today that you'd help the lost to be saved if there's one here today. And they're not sure that heaven's their home. Help them, Lord, not to walk out with that uncertainty, but be saved today. And for the saved, Lord, I do pray that, Lord, you would help us. Draw closer to you, Lord, by seeing someone else who had a privilege to encounter you. And I pray that our lives would be changed today because of that, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I have to say, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last few weeks uh, as we've gotten into our theme of encountering Christ and studying through the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and all of the different accounts that people have had with Christ and we began with John, or I think we began with Satan, actually, and Satan's encounter with Christ. And boy, that was a unique encounter, and not necessarily the one I thought I was going to be preaching on to open the theme up for the year about how Satan encountered Christ and how Christ resisted him through Scripture. 
And we went on and we read about John's encounter with Christ and what a blessing that was to see how God worked in his life and in the centurion how God worked in his life. And now we come here in the book of Matthew chapter 8 and we're reading about Peter's mother-in-law and her encounter with Christ. Here's what's amazing. Just as we read in, in the Gospels and we read uh, all throughout the Word of God, even into the salvation of the Apostle Paul, it's amazing how so many were reached with different encounters with Christ. We read about Zacchaeus and his encounter with Christ and how he was saved and the woman at the well and how she was saved and the demoniac and how he was saved and how Paul was saved and so many different encounters with Christ. And yet we notice this morning that Christ was always up to the challenge. Isn't that a blessing? That no matter where you at, you're at or where you're from or what you've been involved in, that an encounter with Christ, you're never going to find one where Christ wasn't up to the challenge. I know sometimes Satan is very good at convincing us that we are unreachable and we're out of the reach of God and Christ can't help us where we are. Can I assure you this morning, the Word of God still stands true. God's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. No matter where you're at, where you've been, what you've been into, how heavy the burden is you carry this morning, I'm thankful that in an encounter with Christ, you will encounter a Christ that is capable. Aren't you glad? Listen, <clears throat> if you don't have enough burdens yet, just live a little longer. Uh, you'll finally come to a place where you have enough burdens in your life where the only thing that we'll do is an encounter with Christ. I assure you, that encounter will be one where you find a capable Christ. It doesn't matter if you're like the woman at the well. It doesn't matter if you're like the demoniac. I mean, can you imagine? Can I tell you how he described his problems? He described them as many. If you know that passage, he says, for we are many. He didn't just have problems on him. He had problems in him. All right? I mean, demons in that man. And lo and behold, he found a capable Christ. And he encountered Christ that changed his life. Can I tell you what our problem is today? Your problem is probably the same problem that I have. Oftentimes, we turn to everything else first. Rather than seek out an encounter with Christ, knowing that Christ is capable, we seek out an encounter with other things to mend the burden that we have. Guilty, all right? Guilty. Uh, look, uh, maybe, maybe we'll seek out enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with enjoyment. Uh, you say, I just need a day off or I need a vacation. Sometimes you do. All right, sometimes you do need to get away, but we can't live on vacation, can we? <clears throat> Unfortunately not. We don't work for the government. We're not able to do that, right? You got to go back to work. You got to go back to where the burdens are and where people are. And we turn to everything else before we turn to an encounter with Christ, a closer walk with him to find the change that we need in our life. It's like the barber. He had been in his town for over 50 years cutting hair and sold haircuts for $5. I remember a $5 haircut. Never forget, my mom dropped me off at the barber shop there in Bassfield, and she'd give me a $5 bill. I'd go in there, Mr. OB was at, and give him that $5 bill, and I'd get a haircut. And man, it was a good haircut. It was a man's haircut. It was a barber shop, not a salon, okay? No offense if you go to a salon. <clears throat> some of you have nice hair, okay? <clears throat> Guys like me, barber shop will do, okay? I'd go in there and get that haircut, $5. Well, there was this barber, he would give haircuts for $5. Lo and behold, a large chain barber shop moved into town, one of those men's salons, and they moved into town, probably from France, moved in, you know, and they started selling haircuts for $3. $3. 
Well, slowly but surely, all the folks in the town began going over to get the $3 haircut because, man, $3, that's almost half price is the old $5 haircuts. And so they would go over there and get that $3 haircut. And boy, the old barber got discouraged. Business was going down. And, I mean, all of his customers were going over there. And he hired a business manager to come in and help him get his customers back. And the business manager says, give me a few days to think on this. And lo and behold, one day he shows up and he has a great big banner. He begins to staple up in front of the barber shop. The banner said this, we fix $3 haircuts. <laughs> we fix $3 haircuts. Man, I wish I was that smart, could come up with such a ploy as that. We fix $3 haircuts. And slowly but surely, his customer base began to come back to him, and, and he would fix the haircuts that are there. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes, we go out all over the world looking for the world to fix our problems. But aren't you glad this morning we have a Savior who can fix $3 haircuts? We go off and we try to get it fixed and we try to go the cheaper route, the easier route and we come back and we say, God, I've got a $3 haircut that I need fixing. By the way, do you know what's the difference in a bad haircut and a good haircut? Five days. Five days. It'll fix it every time. Some of you will get that on the way home. We're looking at Peter's mother-in-law here. I want you to notice a very relatable account for you and I. Here's someone who could not go to Jesus, but Jesus comes to her. Remind you of us? We could not go to Christ. Thanks be to God, Christ came down to where we are, and Christ came to be everything that we needed, just as in her case. Here's what I want us to see this morning. When we look at the encounter she had with Christ, it is really a textbook encounter. It's an example of what an encounter with Christ ought to look like. This morning, I want to look at that thought of an example encounter with Christ. We're going to look at what God did in the life of this dear lady and realize this is how it's supposed to happen. This is an example of what an encounter with Christ should look like. My wife, when, uh, when I had a little more spare time, would ask me, can you build me this? Uh, she had a kitchen table that she wanted. She says, honey, can you build me this barn house table? And I says, look, I learned a long time ago that I will never understand what goes on in a woman's mind. All you men are cowards that didn't say amen. Shame on you. So I have a rule. What is my rule? If you ask her, she'll tell you. I say, get me a picture. Get me a picture. And she'd get me a picture, and I'd go and build the picture, and usually it would turn out close to the picture. She would want a hall tree for our hall, and I'd say, get me a picture. I would build that. Can I tell you this morning, when we're looking at Peter's mother-in-law, we're getting a picture of what an example encounters should look like. And this morning, let's just follow in her footsteps for the next few minutes if we could. I want you to notice in verse number 14, the Bible says, when Jesus was come to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is the effectiveness of her encounter. Notice how effective this encounter with Christ was on Peter's mother-in-law. We look at verse 14, she is unable. She has laid up sick of a fever. We look at verse 15, she is now out of bed, and now she is ministering to them all in one treatment. One treatment of Christ. You see, a true encounter with Christ has great effectiveness on the life of mankind. 
if we just had a true, genuine encounter with Christ. You say, what do you mean a true, genuine encounter with Christ? I'm not talking about an emotional encounter. I'm an emotional person. All right, believe it or not, I can cry over fairy tales. I can cry for people who win gold medals in the Olympics. I mean, I'm an emotional person. But there's a difference in an emotional encounter and an authentic encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because feelings go away. Emotions are up, emotions are down. You can't trust your emotions. The Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. Our heart is deceitful. We cannot trust our emotions. Can I tell you what you can trust? A genuine encounter with Christ. Why? Because it's effective. I want you to think about the word treatment, if you will. Uh, Some of you here have had cancer, and you've had chemotherapy. You've had cancer treatments. Some of you this morning, maybe you've had lung problems. Maybe you had COVID, or maybe you had bronchitis or pneumonia, and you had breathing treatments. And so often, those treatments, you have to keep having them, don't you? Have to go back and have another breathing treatment. Maybe you have physical therapy. And yet notice what Jesus did for this woman. The Bible says in verse 14, here she is sick. Verse 15, she's now up and she's serving them. Why? Because an encounter with Christ is effective. Boy, it would be effective on our homes this morning. If we just had a true encounter with Christ, that would be effective this morning. If we just had an encounter with Christ, it would affect our marriages this morning. It would affect our relationships with our children. It would affect our relationships with our co-workers. If we just had a genuine encounter with Christ. Why? It's effective. What about great change in her life? I think about Lazarus. Lazarus comes out of the grave. They take the grave clothes off of him. You find not many verses later, Lazarus is enjoying dinner. Why? Because an encounter with Christ is effective. Uh, You know, look, nothing wrong if you have to kind of get up to speed from time to time. And I know we all grow at different rates, okay? Some folks grow fast, some folks grow slow, and some of you have just never grown at all, right? Yeah, I mean, look, some of us are, are vertically challenged spiritually. And yet we notice that when there's a true encounter with Christ, there's a change. Why? Because it's effective. Years ago, we were at the camp, and uh, my dad will tell you the story Uh, He heard this noise. It was a horrible noise. And you're like, that's probably not good. If you ever hear that, go see what it is. It's probably not good. My dad goes over there, and there was a snake, and in the mouth of the snake, there was a frog hanging out, pleading for mercy. We live down there in the country, and, you know, there's snakes and there's frogs and, you know, the circle of life, all of that. you got to eat, and evidently that was lunch that day, and Dad will tell the story better than I can. That frog is hanging out of the snake's mouth, and it's just sad. And I forget if he whacked the snake or shot the snake. I can't remember what happened, and lo and behold, when he killed the snake, the frog comes out the snake's mouth and just laying there dead like a good man. Dad goes over and begins chest compressions on the fall. True story? Yeah, true story. He's right back there. He'll tell you. You know, I mean, he had been rescued from the clutches of the the great snake that had nearly swallowed him whole. Man, Dad, he's in there working on that little frog, you know, and washed him off. No kidding. True story. A few minutes later, that little frog hops off. Don't you know he had a story to tell when he got home? You're never going to believe what happened today in the pond. I was out there, and this anaconda comes up. You know, if he was a male frog, he really, really embellished it. 
He swallowed me and I fought him off and punched him in the nose and kicked him in the eye. And finally he says, okay, mercy, and he let me go. You know, that's probably how it went down. But it was amazing. That little frog just hopped on off. Boy, you just thought, surely that thing is dead. It's been bitten and poisoned. No, he just made a full recovery. Hey, that's what you and I did when we met Jesus. Here we were in the clutches of the serpent, if you will. In man, we were just near about, the Bible says we were, we were on death row spiritually. We were appointed to death. And then here comes Jesus Christ and slays the serpent, sets us free, and now we have freedom indeed because of Jesus Christ. That's how effective he is in our life. Now, why is he effective? Well, I want you to see something. <clears throat> Notice what was wrong with her in verse 14. The Bible says she was sick of a what? Fever. <clears throat> Excuse me for the uh, raspiness that's one of my voice. Verse 15, watch what it says. And he touched her hand and the what? The fever left her. Now what was wrong? Well, verse 14 says she had a fever. What did Jesus go after in verse 15? He went after the fever. Can I tell you why an encounter with Christ is so effective? Because he targets the source of what is wrong. That's why an encounter with Christ works. He targets the source of where the problem is at. He says, I'm not just going to give... Hey, you know what? Here's you a hanky. I hope you feel better. Now look, a good handkerchief is worth its weight in gold when you need to blow your nose. You're right? But it's not going to heal you. It's just going to treat the symptoms. I asked Brother Zach for a cough drop a moment ago, and he gave me one. And man, it soothes my throat just a little bit. But uh, it's not going to solve the problem. Why? Because all we can do is treat the symptoms. But oh, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just give us a Kleenex or a cough drop. He goes to the source of what our problem is, and he targets what's really, really wrong. Folks, can I tell you this morning, you read in Matthew chapter 9, not very far from here. As a matter of fact, I believe it's down around verse, uh, verse number 5. When he healed the man who couldn't walk, watch what he said to him. Verse number uh, 2, son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Wait a minute. I thought the man had a leg problem. No, do you know what the source of all of our problems is? What is the source of all of our problems? It's sin. That's what it is. Jesus went right to the source of what was wrong. Can I tell you, an encounter with Christ will be effective for you and your home and my home and our children today if we just were willing this morning to let Christ target what's really wrong, not a symptom, but the source of what's wrong. That's what we see in our country today. We keep trying to fix all the symptoms when the truth of the matter is the problem is what it's always been. It is sin. It's sin. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we want an encounter with Christ that changes how we feel, but not how we function. I believe that's what's wrong. I don't know, I'll guarantee you once a week I say this phrase, and I don't say it compassionately because I totally get where people are coming from. I can't change how you feel. Be amazed how often people want you to change how you feel, all right? Why? I don't like how I feel, and I want you to do this to change how I feel. Can I tell you something? I'm so thankful that when God reaches down to bring about change in our life, he goes beyond the surface of our feelings and changes what's really wrong. 
And oftentimes what's really wrong in my life and in your life is we have the same problem that guy nine, chapter 9 has. It's a sin problem. Don't come to Christ if all you want him to do is change how you feel. No, he works deeper than that. He changes how we function. You look at old, you look at old Zacchaeus. Man, you look at these guys who were away from God and not where they need to be. Man, as soon as they had an encounter with Christ, he changed how they functioned. How they lived their life. Now, could that be this morning why we don't want an encounter with Christ? Notice, number one, how effective it was. She had a fever in verse 14. Took the fever away in verse 15. An effective encounter. That's what we ought to have this morning. But then notice this. <clears throat> After Jesus healed her, Verse 15, and she t- he touched her hand, and the fever left her. But then watch what she did. The Bible says, and she arose. And she arose. Now notice, this example of an encounter with Christ began with an effective change. Boy, it was effective. But then notice that after he had brought change into her life, notice what she did with the change. The Bible says, and she arose. Here's what I think. She's laying there in bed. And I'm just, my opinion, okay? She's laying there in bed. Suddenly, she feels the fever's gone. Suddenly, she feels the healing in her body. Suddenly, she begins to feel good. She's like, well, I might as well get out of bed. If, look, if, if I'm feeling better and the fever's gone and, and he's changed me, I might as well just get out of bed. So notice number two, in this example of an encounter with Christ, we see the effectiveness of it. But number two, notice the effort of her encounter. Notice the effort of her encounter. Have you ever been really sick? I've met a few of you in here. I don't know what vitamins you take. You never get sick. I don't know if it's your good living or I don't know if it's some vitamins you get at GNC, but man, you never, I don't know if you don't drink coffee or whatever it is, but you never get sick. I've been sick a few times. You ever been sick for three, four, five days, maybe a week? Boy, COVID, some of us were sick for two or three weeks. Man, that was bad. And didn't it feel good when you got to feel good again? Uh, I'll never forget, boy, during that dark, dark time of COVID. It was just rough. And uh, laying there in bed several weeks, sick. And somebody called and says, look, you're going to have to walk around. with Some of our medical folks in the church, you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to walk around, blood clots and all that. And... And finally, I remember I started feeling good enough to get up and go walk. And so uh, my wife comes over and she kind of helps me out of bed. And I have a hoodie on, sweatpants, and Crocs, okay? Not the most uh, fashionable ensemble there, but uh, I decided to get up and go walk down the street about 9.30 at night where nobody could see me and take a picture and post it on social media. So here I am. I have this great big walking stick that I got up in Canada. It's got all these badges on it, the places that I go. And, And so I'm walking down the street on my walking stick. Now, I still didn't feel great, but boy, I felt so much better than I did. And it just felt good to get out of bed and walk because you knew how sick you were just a few days ago. Now, bear with me this morning. I believe this woman realized the great work that had been done in her life, and she says, I can't just lay here. Hey, he's worked a work in my life. Now, because of the opportunity he's given me, I'm going to start putting some effort in because of my encounter. Can I ask you something this morning? Since you've had your encounter with Christ and you got saved, have you got out of bed yet? Have you got out of bed yet? 
You say, wait, when I got saved, I've been born again. Boy, he changed my life. I have a heavenly zip code when I die. God is my father. I cannot go to hell. How wonderful that is this morning. I think I'm just going to lay here until Jesus comes back. Hey, you ought to be so excited this morning about what Jesus did for you and changed your life that you want to get out of bed. It feels good to be good. It feels good to feel good again. And thanks be to God, I'm going to get out of bed and go do something for him. It's sad, boy, so many Christians this morning never get out of bed. I believe this woman right here says, man, it feels, to good, to, feels good to be good. I'm going to get out of bed and go do something. And here's what I, I'm afraid of today. I'm afraid that we want an encounter with Christ. I, I, don't, I think you'd be off your rocker if you didn't want one. A close encounter with Christ, a close walk with Christ. But here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid we want an encounter without any effort. We want to have an encounter with Christ, but after that, don't expect anything from me. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid we don't remember how sick we were. That's what I'm afraid of. We don't realize how close to spiritual death we were before Jesus. And watch this. If you're not careful, you'll get to the spot where you start thinking maybe you deserve to be saved. No, we were sick, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Watch this. There's not a one of us in this room this morning born with a spiritual silver spoon in our mouth. There was not a one of us this morning that deserved to be saved, who could earn the favor of God to be saved. No, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. All of us. I love it. That's why the ground is level at Calvary. Every one of us this morning, we're just low-down, dirty sinners who our righteousness was as filthy rags. I think this morning, we need to go back to the place where we realize just how sick we were. And that'll motivate you to get out of your spiritual bed. What did it say? The Bible says, and she arose. Boy, I'll read on social media. And I try not to get on there often, but I'll get on there every once in a while. And boy, you read about all of these experiences we're having in America in these quasi-revivals running around the country. Here's the problem. I see all of these experiences, but I don't see any evidence. I don't see any evidence. I mean, if America is, is experiencing revival, America doesn't know it yet. Because, man, we had this experience and 50,000 people turned out at Times Square to sing Jesus Loves Me or something like that. And I'm not knocking it this morning. I'm just saying a true encounter with Christ is going to be effective and it's going to make you want to get out of your spiritual bed and go do something for him. I believe that. So how do you know that? Well, I just believe the Bible. You look at what happened to people in the Bible. I'm afraid this morning we've gotten to a place where we don't realize how sick we were to get out of our bed of sin. Look, man, if, if Jesus changed your life and he saved your soul, get out of that bed. What are we still doing laying in the bed of sin? Hey, if Jesus has brought forgiveness and Jesus has brought healing, why are we still in the bed of bitterness? Get out of that. Why? Because that's the effective change Jesus brings. Why are we still laying in all of these beds that God has healed us from and raised us from? Hey, you remember that man? Boy, I love the story. I'm going to preach on it real soon. Boy, his buddies lowered him down through the ceiling. Jesus healed him. The Bible says he went home. He carried his bed home. Boy, I tell you this morning, what a testimony it would be if we carried our bed out of here from time to time. 
Number two, notice the effort of her encounter. I remember the woman taken in adultery. <clears throat> he had this kangaroo court, brought the woman, not the man. She's sitting there. Jesus told her, neither do I condemn thee. What did he tell her? Go and sin no more. It almost seems like Jesus was understanding that he was going to have an effect on her. I think he does. I think he should. Our problem is we don't want to go forth with that effort. This morning I was sitting at, at the couch looking at our coffee table and having my coffee. And uh, there on the table, Miley had been reading the book from the Ark Encounter. And uh, boy, a neat place. If you've never been, you ought to go and, and go see that. It's just amazing uh, when you get to see something that uh, it represents what we read about there in the book of Genesis. And I was looking at the book right there on our coffee table, and it says Ark Encounter. I thought to myself, I'm so glad they called it that. Not the Ark Experience. Now, I know it's just semantics and it's just words, but I do believe there's a difference in an experience and an encounter. We went to the Ark several years ago, and I told you, I'm an emotional guy, and we stood there at the bow of the ship, looking up at it, and I couldn't help but cry. People probably thought, man, there's something wrong with that guy. There is something wrong with this guy, okay? But I'm just sitting there looking at it, and I kept thinking about Noah. There was a real man who built a real boat that, number one, it really floated, which is an amazing thought in itself. And he did it just because he believed God. As we sat there in the shadow of that massive ship, I just couldn't help but cry. Like if it was up to me, if I built what I believed, how big would my boat be? Couldn't help but think. Isn't it crazy how the Holy Spirit will get on to you when you're on vacation? I try to leave him here, but he follows me because he lives in my heart. So we're looking at that ship thinking, man, if I built what I believed, I'd probably have a little dinghy. Or in Louisiana, they call them P-Rose, a little flat-bottom canoe. Boy, I sat there. Do you know when I left there, I left there thinking differently? That's what an encounter does. You know what an experience does? It affects you momentarily. You've been on a roller coaster. Aren't they fun? I've learned to like them. I've become a man. Hated them when we first got married, but my pride wouldn't let me not get on them because my wife would get on them, and I had to be a man and act like I liked them and lied the whole time. Wasn't that great? Yes. Yes. You get off the roller coaster, the emotion goes down, it's over. Why? Because all that was was an experience. But man, you have an encounter with Christ, it changes you. It changes you. You walk away thinking differently. John chapter 5 we read about the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus said this to that man, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. He had an encounter with Christ. Arise, take up thy bed and walk. There's going to be an effect on you, but now you put some effort forth. There's a lady in our town. I'll not call her name, not in this town, but another town that I've lived in years ago. And this lady had some type of an accident years ago, years ago and had to have surgery on her leg, and after the surgery on her leg, uh, she would start walking around with a crutch, one crutch. Every time you would see her, she would be on one crutch, one crutch. 
Years later, I would see her in town, and she's still walking around on that one crutch. Years later, I would see her come move back to Mississippi. I would see her again in that town, and she's still walking around on the same crutch. Only difference is now, and I'm not joking, I'm not making fun of the lady. She's a very sweet lady, but she almost carries the crutch. It never touches the ground. Literally. I could tell you people who know this lady, and she just walks around, and she carries the crutch, and the crutch usually never touches the ground. And I kept watching her one day. We were at a gas station. I kept watching her. And there's that Holy Spirit again. Holy Spirit says, you do the same thing. I've healed you, but you're still carrying around that same crutch. Just carrying it around. I've healed you. You don't need that anymore. It's kind of like this lady. Why don't you get out of bed? I've healed you. Move on. Move on from the bed. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid in sick of fever. That was us. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose. She left the bed behind. You know what the bed was? It was the sick bed. I mean, we're living in a world that talks about healing. We're living in a world who we need to be restored, and then suddenly we're still carrying our crutches. The Bible says she got out of the bed. and said, boy, look what Jesus has done for me. Number two, real quickly, I'll give you the third thing. Number two, noticed after she had an encounter with Christ, it's a good example. Why? Because she had some effort after she had the encounter with Christ. Finally, and here's the best part. Let's end on a high note today, okay? The Bible says, and she arose, and then what did she do? And ministered unto them. Ministered unto them. She was laying there, she's sick, she was healed, she got out of bed, and she's like, all right, now that I have my health, what should I do with it? If she was sorry like me, I would probably say, I'm going fishing. I'm going hunting, if it was season. I'm going to go to town, I'm going to watch my show, I'm going go, to go to Burger King, no, but watch what she did. The Bible says she ministered unto them. Here's what I believe. Number three, I believe there was an expectation of her encounter. Man, he's healed me. He's done something for me. How can I pay it forward to minister to someone else? You see, that's why this is an example of an encounter with Christ. Verse 14 to verse 15, watch. She goes from full recovery to full service. Boy, that doesn't typify the Christian life. We should have a full recovery and go on to live a life full of service. The illustration I couldn't help but think of this morning was Pat Tillman. If you recall, Pat Tillman played for the Arizona Cardinals. and uh, Shortly after 9-11... Uh, I think in May of 2002, he went and enlisted, became an Army Ranger, and was ultimately killed a couple of years later. Pat Tillman's story is amazing because he had all the money coming to him as a, an NFL player. He had all the money coming to him for the comfortable life in, a, in the United States of America, the celebrity of being an NFL football player. He had all of that coming to him. And he decided, you know what, after 9-11... He realized, man, what an opportunity I have to live in America, to be able to play a sport made for children and make millions of dollars 
What an opportunity I have in America. It says because of that opportunity, he felt an obligation. I've been given great opportunity, therefore I owe a great debt of obligation. And he went and he fought and he died for our country. I want to to read a quote for you this morning from Pat Tillman. He said this, somewhere inside we hear a voice. It leads us in the direction of the person we wish to become. But it is up to us whether or not we follow that voice. I don't believe he was talking about the Holy Spirit, but I do believe we could apply that to the Holy Spirit in our life. That somewhere inside of all of us, we know how good we've got it to be saved, to be a child of God. I love the song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I mean, look, our family's weird, isn't it? Man, we're going to have a heavenly family reunion one day, and it's going to be the the most diverse group of people you've ever seen on the planet, but it's all because of Jesus. Man, I'm so glad to be part of the family of God, going to be a part of that reunion, but, but, but I'm not there yet, I'm here. I realize that regardless of how bad our days may be and heavy our burdens may be, man, we've got it good. Man, we've got it good. The biggest problem we've ever had is taken care of. And then suddenly that opportunity begins to carry the weight of an obligation. What am I going to do with the opportunity that I've been given? I believe Peter's mother-in-law got up from her bed and was so thankful for what had been done to her and for her. She says, I want to do something for someone else. The Bible says she ministered unto them. Can I ask you this? Most of the time, the bulk of our testimony is about what we are saved from. Correct? Yeah. Man, God saved me from this. God saved me from that. Maybe, maybe you had a rough life and God pulled you out of a ditch. Uh, maybe, look, you grew up in a Christian home and got saved at a Christian school. doesn't matter. Lost is lost. And we talk about what we were saved from. Have you ever given some thought to what you were saved for? What are you saved for? So I'm so glad to be saved and I'm thankful and we're just sitting here on our blessed assurance waiting for Jesus to come. I witnessed to a guy the other day at the bus stop. He was sitting there <clears throat> curving the road. Guy sitting on the bus stop, pulled in. Just felt led to talk to that guy. So I talked to that guy. He was just sitting there waiting on his bus to arrive. So we just sat there and talked, said he was saved and had a good visit with him. Couldn't help but think that's how a lot of us are. We're just waiting on our ride. Not like we were saved for anything. We're saved from, whoo, thank God I'm saved from that. What were you saved for? Why are we just sitting at the bus stop? Why are we still laying in the bed that he healed us from? Why don't we get up and go serve somebody? 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. That means not only was I saved from something, I'm saved for something. Here's what I believe this morning. I believe a true encounter with Christ. If you're saved, a better encounter with Christ, a closer encounter with Christ. Do you know what I think it'll come from this morning? I believe it'll come from realizing just how sick we were. And just how well we are now. You say, well, my life's not well. If you're on your way to heaven, your life's well. You're doing all right. 
So what you don't understand, man, I got credit card debt and my kids are trouble and all of this. Hey, it may be, but you're still on your way to heaven. Biggest problem you ever had is taken care of. So here's my question. All right, here we are. He saved us from all of that, saved us for heaven. What has he saved you for here on earth? Who is it that God would have you minister to? Where is it that God would have you to go to? The Bible says she arose and ministered unto them. Just a reminder, none of us deserve to be healed. None of us did. None of us did. I have, I have great heritage in my family. Grandparents, missionaries, my great-grandmother's the last charter member of her church. Mom and dad in the ministry all these years. But you know that didn't count for nothing toward my redemption. I deserve to die and go to hell just like every other person. But for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that I could be saved. There's an obligation that comes with that. That boy, he's got me out of my bed. Why don't I go get somebody out of theirs? Yesterday morning, we showed up for soul winning. And uh, the weather was bad. It's kind of misty rain, cold. Winter's come back this week. It'll be back for a week or two, and then we'll have summer again. Not a big crowd yesterday going out. As a matter of fact, the bulk of our people went to the mall, not shopping, soul winning. At the, why not? As far as I know, the people at the mall can be lost too. Walking around the mall yesterday. I mean, look, I bet you a lot of would you just showing up yesterday if you'd known that, wouldn't you? Man, we could go soul winning into the mall. Deal. I'm going to show up for that one. Do you know what folks were doing yesterday at the mall, passing out gospel tracts? Here's what they were doing. There was a time in my life where I was sick and nigh unto death. Jesus touched me, healed me, and I, wanna, I wonder this morning if, if maybe you need healing too. They're everywhere. What is our problem? Well, our problem is we're not following this example of an encounter with Christ. Can I ask you this this morning? Is your life an example of the effectiveness of Christ? Is your life an example of the effectiveness of Christ? So what do you mean? Is anything about your life say he's gotten you out of your spiritual bed? Or are we just laying there wallowing in our sickness? Man, if he healed us, get out of bed. Put some effort into it this morning and realize, yes, you may still have problems. But man, Jesus has already done a great work in you and a great work in me if you're saved. Does your life exhibit the effectiveness of Christ? Or I wonder if this this morning, are you making any effort... Any effort to distance yourself from where he saved you from? Are you making any effort? Or are you still carrying around a crutch? Yeah, he healed you of that. And you're still carrying it around that crutch. Can I tell you, the greatest example of the healing power of Christ in the lame man was him walking home. Not carrying around that bed all the time. Or maybe this morning, number three, and we're done. Are you living up to the expectations of someone who has been healed? Are you spending your time and the opportunity God's given you to go and minister to others? That will truly be the evidence of someone who has an encounter with Christ. Our heads are bowed this morning and eyes closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.